0: Hello, Gallivanders, and welcome to TBG Podcast. On today's episode, Gabby and I will continue our conversation about the parable of the sower, discussing chapters 9 through 14. If this is your first time here with us and you have not yet read the book, we recommend you listen to the previous episode first, in which we discuss the chapters 1 through 8. Gabby, welcome. How are you doing? Hi,
1: I'm good, Anna, How are you?
0: very anxious about this book because
1: definitely things are changing yes yeah well and just like she says at the beginning all that you touch cha- you change all that you change change you the only lasting truth is change so anna just proved i did Warren a summary Wright. right <laughs> yes exactly so the end you guys thank you so much uh, <laughs> bye <See you> <laughs> bye <Bye-bye. week. laughs> see you next week bye bye see you next week but yes, Anna is completely right. So if you have not read, uh, sorry, if you have not listened to our podcast from last week, um, just letting you know where we stopped. So um, Keith, uh, Lauren's young, uh, oldest younger brother, mm-hmm. he's, who's 12, he has always been trouble. And now he's becoming actively dangerous to himself and to others. So by the end of chapter eight, he had been asking over and over again that he wanted to be part of the shooting classes and his dad kept on denying. So he decides, well, he acts up and he leaves the community for a day. He comes back completely naked. They've taken everything that he had, including the community key. So now if uh, those uh, thieves, they find out where they are, where they live, they could potentially come back and pretty much just steal, steal everything or potentially set everything on fire. So it's just that uh, we decided to stop on chapter eight because it was the beginning of the end of the Olaminas as a uni- unity. Um, Keith feels disrespected. Corey, the, the step, Lauren's stepmom, she's taking somewhat Keith's side. So it's definitely the change that Anna had, had told us, right? So this episode, we start, uh, this episode, we start with chapter nine, and that's Keith's birthday, and he his 13th birthday, and he get a BB gun, and they are all hoping that that's going to calm him down after the humiliation, but that kind of backfires, because he goes back to the outside wall, and um, Lauren's father, he goes after him, he's trying to Involved the police trying to understand where he is. Um, The police is somewhat privatized in this uh, future. So they have to pay fees for the service. So they actually don't know exactly how they're going to be paying for the fees. But uh, it's his missing son. So definitely worth paying the price. Corey is super anxious, super upset. Uh, She cannot really deal with anything. So Lauren takes over her teaching classes Because she's just not, she's just not really functioning. Lauren's dad comes back. He couldn't find the son. Corey still thinks that the husband is not looking for him enough. She's just accusing him that had it been Lauren, things would have been different. Lauren gets hurt because she didn't expect Corey to say such a thing. So it's just like really the change again that Anna had mentioned, right? So Keith was gone for two weeks. He comes back, and he's better dressed. The reverend, the dad, asked how he got these clothes. Keith did not respond. He said that he just not wants to talk to the dad anymore. Dad, the dad beats Keith. Lauren feels the pain. So it's just like causing this whole, like, Lauren realizes that she really hates Keith. Uh, she never really liked him, but she really, really doesn't like what he's doing to the family. Um, and
0: that's very uh, stereotypical of the male teenager, you know, mm-hmm. that when he, he reaches that age, he thinks he's, you know, the uh, alpha male of the family. He knows mm-hmm. everything better than everybody else, anybody else. And uh, Corey is just being like a helicopter mother, mm-hmm. right? Which will protect him like everybody else is to blame. But he's just, you know...
1: He, trying to also prove a point, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So he wants to try and show, okay, I can take care of myself, I can take care of this family, mm-hmm. feeling that the dad is just like outdated or going old, growing old, and it's just like definitely it doesn't help that Corey wants to protect him so much and, and trying to justify all of his actions like this, right? Mm-hmm. But Keith, so Keith starts leaving, so he goes out of the gate for a while, then he comes back and he starts bringing money to the mother. And he's just like, this is your money, do not give it to father, which is also very curious because it's just like, what could she potentially do with the money, you know, if if not share with the father who's right there, Right. And who's probably the person who goes out in
0: the community to get stuff when they need.
1: Right. And buy so, stuff, right? Yeah. And not to mention that she is his wife, right? So it's <laughs> kind of like really tough. But it's just, uh, well, Corey is so afraid that Keith is not coming back that she really complied And she really, you know, like she knew that everything was stolen. But she didn't have any strength to stop him. So he keeps leaving and coming back like that. So... It's a very interesting dynamics here because it's definitely uh, what Anna had just mentioned, right? He's a, a teenager. He's just trying to prove a point. He's trying to prove himself not only to the others, but to himself as well. So it's just it's an annoying face. We've mm-hmm. been there. We've seen other people being there. Not cool. Mm-hmm. One day he comes back and Lauren is there and they have a conversation And she realizes that even though he hasn't been that long, he does look much older. She offers to cook him a meal, uh, not because she had to, but she kind of wanted to talk to him to try to understand, remembering, uh, well, sorry, reminding us that she had had a conversation with Joanne a couple of chapters back that she's trying to get ready to leave. So, um, well, not getting ready, but she wants to be ready when she has to leave. So uh, she wanted to have a conversation, try to understand what's going on outside of the walls, if he could provide any information that that is good, right? Keith explains that all he does for the gang that he's with is read because they don't know how to read anything, including the instructions of the things that they steal. So they steal, like, electronics and they didn't know. They've stolen and they've broken electronics because they didn't know what to do with it so he's pretty much he's the reader if you will mm-hmm. of the of the gang and um you know like when they say I don't know if we have the saying in English that in the land of uh blind if you have one eye you're a king so um and if you do know the expression in English please let us know <laughs> uh, <laughs> we appreciate it uh but here basically if you can read you are king so um that's how he was taken into this gang. And they were squatting in an abandoned building. So he said that um, pretty much outside of the building is awful, but inside is pretty decent. So he became the reading king. Uh, it was really powerful if you could read. So you can really see how society has deteriorated since, right? They kept on talking. Uh, she said that uh, he also mentioned that there's a new drug called pyro that makes people set a fire on things and it's pretty much orgasmic. So they really enjoy seeing things burning and they do like shave their heads and they do paint their faces when uh, they, they become addicted to this drug and they join this group. So it's pretty much like a whole experience. You not only do drugs, but you do drugs with your uh, friends who are painted and bald just like you. So uh, he mentioned that as they were talking uh, he said that the next time he will bring money to Lauren and t- Lauren says don't don't do it as they are talking Lauren says that Keith really looks like the, her, their father and that makes him very angry then Lauren t- because he's still hurt he's still very hurt since the like inside since the day that the dad beat, beat him and just humiliated him and then Lauren tells a story of when her father beat her of when their father beat her at a similar age because she was caught having sex. And she said that he really, it was bad. She was pretty upset, but now she understand why he did that. She could have gotten pregnant. And in this world at her age, being 13 at the time, that was just definitely not something right. That was really going to be stupid. Uh, food is ready. They eat, they eat, they eat silently. He leaves and, um, he said that he would come back. And um, he also mentioned something very interesting that even though that was the impression of everybody inside the gated communities, not everybody outside had guns because they are very costly. So that was also a piece of information that was interesting because Lauren really thought that the minute you get out, everybody has guns and it would be just really dangerous, right? Going back to her 15 year old self, She and Curtis, who is Lauren's uh, boyfriend, they, uh, they do have sex, but they use condoms and they are very careful. Lauren is turning 17 and on her birthday, they are almost caught by Keith having sex because he did, as he promised, he did bring her money for her birthday. She said that she did not want it. He said, well, if you don't want it, just give it to Corey. He just didn't mind. And, uh, And that was the last time that Lauren saw Keith. Her birthday is in July. And on August 26th, her parents have to go outside to identify Keith's body. He was dead. And he was pretty much burned and cut. And only his face was clear. So pretty much making it easier to identify who the person or who the body is. The police said that it was, the do- it was the doing by of drug dealers, and Lauren did not cry during his funeral. Curtis, her boyfriend, said that it would have been prudent for her to do so, but she said that uh, she would have cried when her father had beaten Keith because uh, that was when the whole family got shattered, but not this time. She really, really, she didn't feel empathy for the fact that Keith had died pretty much and I don't think she's wrong. He brought his death to himself, right, Anna? He was the one going outside and really um exposing himself to the dangers, you know? So I don't think that of course, I don't think Keith wanted to have die wanted to die, but I just don't think that in a way it wasn't something that he didn't think that it was coming to happen eventually. You know what I mean? I think she just thought, well, it was expected. Everybody
0: tried, you know, uh, all they could to make him understand that he should not be doing it. Right. Her father, her, uh, sorry, his father, his mom, she did it as well. But he, this is what he wanted. So it's kind of like, well, your fate is
1: just what was expected, right? Right. There were risks to what he was doing. And I think Mm -hmm. that Keith was really well aware. I think that being outside had shaped him. But, of course, you don't see it coming until he gets you, right? So, Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's much harder for the family because, for better or for worse, Corey still hoped that uh, Keith would come back home. But once you're out, I I think it's just really hard to go back to old ways, you know? Well, ever since he died, robberies have gotten worse. Um, In the community, seven other people had been killed, since his death. So, definitely things are getting more aggressive. Things are getting more dangerous, more violent, right? Um, Lauren strongly believes that these robberies were made by Keith's friends because they knew the easy targets. So, pretty much all these seven people that had died, they were really uh, the easy targets within the community. Um, in parallel, there is a new city, there's a nearby city called Oliver. That had always been uh, in trouble with the coast coastal erosion, and they became privatized by a company called KSF. So basically, uh, this company was hoping to build so a desalinization plant in the city, and uh, they want to dominate the area. So KSF was offering job to jobs to people who could come and live in Olivar, in their company housing. Uh, Last episode, we did mention that the new president, he was really hoping that there would be those kind of projects and benefits to companies that would offer housing. So this one, this is one example that was really happening close to um, Robledo, right? So the city or this company housing would not allow guns, only the guns of the guards. And basically the wages that they were offering was not really enough to live on. But people are desperate. People really, really would like to, one, get jobs, two, have that, even if it's a wrong sense of safety, have that sense of safety. They really would like to go. So people are going and people are applying to these jobs. But basically, if people cannot afford living, the companies force them to work even more and then they get trapped for life. So the word for that is slavery. So Lauren could see that they were becoming, well, whoever applied for those, they were bringing slavery back to really its essence. Um, Marcus, the youngest brother, or not the youngest, the second, young, the second oldest boy, um, he thinks that that would be a good place for Lauren because there wouldn't be a whole lot of violence. So her hyper empathy wouldn't come to, wouldn't come, wouldn't be expressed as often. But Lauren thinks that the guards are thugs. She really thinks that it wa- it's not going to be that pink rainbow city that everybody's painting. So she does not believe. She just thinks that this is a bad idea. Corey is disgusted by Lauren's constant negative outlook. And she also thinks that the family should apply for jobs. Uh, other families, so the Garfields and the Talcots, they are also considering going to the uh, to Oliver. So Lauren realizes that the community is getting weaker by the minute, and she's certain that this uh, she will be leaving the community once she turns 18. So she's just waiting one more year, so then she's older enough, She ha- she's of age to make her decisions, and, and she has to go. She also knows that she's moving north. She knows that there's less problems with water, uh, the weather is a little easier it's not them they don't have that many droughts so she really wants to go north and she's hoping that she can uh, make a living teaching people to read and write and then she may even be able to spread earth seed with these people so she has decided that she was going to call her book the book of the living because most religions they talk about book of the dead and she's optimistic about her future, so she really wants to call it the living. So I think that it was it, it's a good way of seeing. It. I think it's a contrast also to what Corey had said, how negative she is. I think that she's negative towards the current situation, but she's very optimistic about a future. So uh, that was an interesting uh, comment.
0: And you know what my brain makes a relation to? Book of the Living to Carpentium, because... Enjoy your day, right? Enjoy while mm-hmm. you're still here. Enjoy while you're alive.
1: Agreed. I think that it's a very soothing name, and I think that it's a soothing name, and I think that it's really, uh, it's a good way. Like her, her passages and her comments, they are really, they are really carpe diem. So I like it a lot too. I agree with you. Okay, so keep going. Days are going. Days are passing. Then the Garfields have accepted, or they have been accepted in all of our. And they're planning to move within the year. Joanna, Lauren's best friend, (laughs) betrayed by her uh, best friend, Trader, is a Garfield. So she's moving and uh, she comes to to Lauren to say goodbye. Joanne says that she has no option but to go with her family. Lauren is really worried because they're going to have an apartment. So they won't have a garden where they can grow food. So basically you cannot have any extra income because you don't have a place to grow anything. So um, Joanna says that she had invited Harry Balter, her boyfriend and first cousin. But Harry also believes that Oliver is a trap. And uh, once they get in debt, they are not going to be able to leave. So they're going to lose their freedom. So Harry had said no, he's not one to go thanks, but no thanks. Um, he also wants to go north, but he doesn't have any prospect. So he was he basically he he doesn't have any prospect and he doesn't have any major plan. He just thinks that once he gets there he could potentially look for a job, but he definitely does not want to go to Olivar. Um, I was just gonna make one
0: comment. I don't know if you're still gonna talk about it, but it's when uh Lauren realizes that her best friend or used, her uh, used, frenemy.
1: Let's call her frenemy for now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So she's living, she's leaving the community before her. And Lauren had this vision that she would be leaving the community before anybody else. Mm-hmm. And now she's starting to feel, oh my God, like you said, the community is getting weaker. But she sees everybody she knows leaving or dying,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: pretty much very scary for uh, someone so young, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also interesting because he goes back again to changing, right? To Mm -hmm. changes because... It it was the summary of the channel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We can just call... If you were to call... If you were to choose one word for this book is change, right? Mm Because you're right, because she did have a plan, her initial plan or her initial thought was that once I turn 18 I'm leaving but people start dying people start leaving so that plan is also changing right Mm because uh she may not be able to stay there until she's 18 there may not even be a community until she's 18 right Right. so uh I think that's also interesting because in the background we're seeing her plans changing maybe without her noticing which I think she is noticing but without her saying right so Mm -hmm. or saying so it's very interesting. So then Joanna asks Lauren uh, what plans her, she has. And but Lauren had decided not to share anything with Joanne because basically once bitten, twice shy. So she's definitely not going to be betrayed again. So she's just like, she just, she, she's very vague and she doesn't say a whole lot. Um, very, very vague. Joanne realizes it, but... She also hated Lauren's doom saying, so she didn't want to hear it, right? So mm-hmm. Lauren is also very worried that more cities will follow suit after all of our su- success. So there's a lot of changes happening in, in, at a fast pace, right? So one day her dad goes to work, and as Anna had mentioned, he has to go to work outside the community. Uh, he teaches, and he never he doesn't come back. Look, is super worried. She calls everybody uh, in the community just to check if they knew where the reverend was. Nobody really knows where the reverend is. So Jay Garfield, Joanne's dad, he leads a search party. Everybody's helping. Everybody goes out. Everybody's looking for the reverend. Reverend is not found. Uh, days after they started the search, they do find a black man's arm. But the fingerprints do not match the reverend's. So he has vanished. He was gone. And Lauren knew deep down her soul that she was not going to ever find out what had happened to her dad. So it was really difficult for her because it is accepting the laws without actually seeing the body. So very different. And of course, extremely different than Keith's situation because she was so close and she really cared about her dad. So they do have a sermon that Lauren that that Lauren preaches, and she knew for a fact that it was that, that was his uh, her dad's funeral. She did te- she preached about perseverance defeating even strong resistance. So the community really really liked uh, her sermon, and she knew that the community had to go on. They needed to move on. They couldn't stay in pain. They couldn't stay in grief for too long. Deep down, she wished she believed the sermon she had just preached, you know. But honestly, that was a moment for of griefing for her. So, really tough. Corey mm-hmm. complimented her sermon, but she also wanted to have a, an official funeral, let's say. And she asked Reverend Robinson, the same Reverend that had done uh, that had baptized Lauren and the kids uh, at, on chapter at the beginning of the book. So they did have an official funeral for her dad. And unfortunately, without the body, the insurance was refusing to pay her father's policy. So they said that they could potentially pay, but after seven years, before they could even acknowledge his his death. So that was very complicated. As Anna had just mentioned, she was foreshadowing the whole book. Um, Corey was, well, uh, Reverend... The reverend was uh, the breadwinner, so Mm -hmm. they didn't have an actual income of her own. So um, you can see that everything is changing again because now not only people were leaving, but the breadwinner for Lauren's nucleus is actually gone. So she knew for Lauren knew for a fact that Corey was going to apply for a liver for Oliver. Um, Kurt. Curtis and Lauren, they're still together, and after one night of making love, he tells her that he, they, sh- they should get married and leave Robledo, but not to Oliver. He doesn't want to go to Oliver. Uh, she asks him where he would like to go, but he doesn't know where to, so he probably just started realizing that they're going to need to leave to leave the community because the community is becoming non-existent, right? Cur- uh, Curtis realizes that Lauren has a plan and she was somehow planning on leaving without him and he gets very upset. Lauren loves him, but she knows that he's holding her back. So he also doesn't know anything about her hype or empathy or her religion. So basically they were strangers, right? Sharing mm-hmm. some sexual favors between each other, but there wasn't really or like they, they did have some chemistry, but they didn't have an actual connection because he basically didn't know anything about her. Her I her, her sorry. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to share either.
0: She right. she's not ready to share those things because of the possible judgment she's gonna get from him.
1: Both for fear, exactly, because her hyper empathy she's heard her whole life that this makes her weak. In her religion it's something that she's still building and and, and, and shaping so I, I mm-hmm. think that it's a different kind of fear for both of them but she's not sharing for uh, because of fear right mm-hmm. so um which is hard because it's hard for you to connect if you're not sharing your core with anyone right mm-hmm. so she does and she's not ready to do it so so she and does,
0: tr- sorry amiga. Go ahead. And and throughout the book, I think it's one of the challenges she's been going through is she doesn't have one person to be totally open about anything she wants to talk about.
1: She always has that feeling of being an outcast because Mm -hmm. even though, like, her dad is one hundred percent aware of her hyper empathy, he he knows nothing about her religion, right? So, and and you can see throughout the chapters that her religion, her beliefs are growing stronger and stronger within her, but she doesn't have anyone to share. So, you can see that there is a revolution or there is a, uh, there is a change happening uh, in her, around her and there is also change happening within her. So, lots of changes. Uh, Mm -hmm. She does ask him to wait, but he's, to wait for her but he's extremely annoyed and he doesn't even know like okay so what are we doing here you know if you if you have plans of on leaving if you don't want to count me on these plans what are you exactly expecting and I think that even she doesn't know what she's expecting from that particular relationship right she was just carpedean. she was carpedean. well that was the only way she could get pleasure right so Mm -hmm. um Carpe diem. Yeah, I <laughs> right? like that. I'm just carpe diem. I think that's a good way. Um, so a couple of days go by. Some robbers, they set fire on the Payne Parish house. Um, the only survivor is War- Wardell. And everybody's really focused on the fire while they're trying to put the fire down. And while this is happening, the Olamina's house is robbed and they take all of their money, their kitchen money, they take all the clothes. They take the radio and Corin's sewing machine. So they're really losing everything. They've lost Keith first, but then they lost the dad, the breadwinner. They've lost now their food, their clothes, their money. Um, they still had money. If you uh, would remember, her dad had taught Lauren that they had money and they had all the important things. Uh, dug into the uh, hidden into the in the garden, so it's not that they've taken everything, but they've taken a really good portion of it. They haven't taken their guns, and they had not taken uh, Lauren's Go Bag. So there was a lot of losses, but there was still some left. Wardell moves in with the Olamines and um, it's just a lot of changes again. The only thing that keeps Lauren going is that she held on to the fact that god was changed and she could adapt so that's also that is a good mantra for her because everything's changed everything can adapt she can adapt so she kept on repeating that mantra herself so there
0: is this saying
1: in portuguese that i hope makes sense
0: in english and that says there is no endless good and no bad that never ends Mm -hmm. which means again Everything is change. God's change. I'm getting to the book now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So she understands that it's a cycle, right? That everything is going to change and Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully in a good good way at the end. But uh, at least she has this view that nothing is forever.
1: Right. I think that's also very good and very important for us, right? To always remember or always remind ourselves that everything is in fact changing and I, I really like this saying that Anna had just mentioned because of that you know like you have to be aware that if you're having or they also say don't make decisions when you are extremely happy right mm-hmm. or sad or extremely sad because this is just uh, cyclical so everything mm-hmm. will change Well, after all these changes, or at least this cycle, uh, the university had allowed Corey to take over part of her husband's job, so she now had to leave the community to go teach, and that left Lauren taking over the school, and the other two neighborhood men took over preaching since the reverend has gone missing, right? So the community, too, was adapting, right? uh Corey had given some of the reverence close to wardell since everything he had got lost during the fire they were too big for him and he also decided that he needed to leave robledo so uh he went to live with his family elsewhere he had Mm -hmm. cousins or uh close family or parents uh sorry or relatives close so he he also left so Everything he knew was vanishing. He just needed to go back and maybe have like a a fresh start. Mm -hmm. Lauren was under the impression that Wardell was not really going to live much longer. We don't know at this point. Now we are coming to the next, uh, the last chapter of this episode, chapter 14. So another year has passed. It's now July 31st, 2027. And the first sentence from this chapter is... In order to be reborn from its ashes, a phoenix must first burn. Mm -hmm. That is a foreshadow for what we are going to see this this chapter, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And sure enough, there is a fire in the whole neighborhood. Everything is on fire. Flames everywhere. Lauren is able to escape this fire. And she sees that Corey and Lauren's brother, they all get up once the house starts burning and they run away. Corey is not looking back. It's not that she didn't want to see Lauren, but she's really trying to just get out of the way. Uh, Lauren sees Natalie Moss screaming with her face half gone. She, uh, Lauren falls because remember she feels the pain. So she's seeing that Natalie's screaming. So she also falls Um Uh, and she stays down. Corey did not notice that Lauren fell behind, so she keeps going. When she finally gets up, uh, she goes for her emergency pack. She steals Edwin Dunn's gun, and she kills a raider. Um, She looks for her family. She looks for Curtis. She doesn't see anyone. Then she thinks that you know, it would have been nice if she if they had established a meetup location in case something like that happened. I think you always learn what you should have done when you're suffering or when you're going through, right? So she's just thinking of things that could have gone better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes up to the hill. She's just hoping that her family is also going to that direction. Um it is really difficult to get there because it's dark and she knows that um it is better for her to be in a place that it's dark. Uh, so then it's safer, nobody's gonna come after her. Um, and if they do come, they could see her gun. She sees a housing ruin uh, with a garage and she decides that that's a good place for her the shelter for that morning, uh, for that night. So in the morning she goes back to the neighborhood. She's hoping that she can find her family. She goes back to her house, she takes whatever fruit trees they are left, She digs up the money that they had. Uh, in the backyard, also the emergency supplies that they had buried in the yard that her dad had showed her. She doesn't see anyone, so she's getting ready to leave the neighborhood. When she and, and she's just walking and she sees lots of women and girls that had been raped and killed. She cannot find Curtis. She cannot find her family. She first considers going to the police, but she decides that that's just going to be more complicated than helpful. She cannot afford... Losing that money that she had left, remember, reminding us that she has never worked. So, all this money that she had, right now, she had no trade. She had nothing that she could actually make up for the money had she gone to the police, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first time that she really thinks that she really hates God. As she's leaving, she hears her name. So, somebody's calling her. She turns back, and it's Zara Moss. One of Richard's uh, wives, she's the youngest. And mm-hmm. Harry Balter, Joanne's former boyfriend, they are both sitting on the curb. They are calling her. So they she joins them and they share with each other what they knew, what they've seen, people that they have seen. So Harry said that he saw some people running away and Zara confirms that she's seeing Lauren's family being killed. Shocked. Lauren's shocked, but... At least she gets the confirmation, unlike her dad, right? Mm-hmm. Lauren and Zara helps. Uh, Lauren and Zara help Harry walk. He had a concussion, and they all go to the garage that Lauren took shelter the night before. And this is where the chapter ends. And this is it. Her family's gone. Curtis is gone. The neighbors in the neighborhood are gone. There's no more community to hold Lauren back. Her faith is shaken. And it goes back to her first the first chapter when she thinks uh when she had that dream of the fire and how the fire was setting her free. So definitely this fire, in a way, is setting her free with a lot of pain, that's for sure. But um, she's being set free. She no longer has her parents' shadow to grow in, and just like the Phoenix that she had started this uh this chapter she will have to be reborn from her own ashes. So Mm -hmm. she's getting out of what she knows. She's going to the unknown. But somehow there is some hope there, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) I guess the
0: only thing that has not changed so far is Mm -hmm. that there are bad people out there and the world is really dangerous. Everything else though in her life it has changed.
1: Even that, Anna, has changed because she realizes that everything is getting more and more violent, right? Mm-hmm. So it's getting worse then. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, a hopeful change, but mm-hmm. at least now she's going to be able to put to practice what she's been uh, put to action, what she's been practicing, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Whew. Intense. Intense.
0: Yeah, so it's been a very hard journey for me. But I want to bring up one thing that I really connected to on, uh, on these chapters, where she puts the effort to prepare dinner and sit down to talk to her brother that she was not really a,
1: fond, know, of, yeah. fond
0: of. And I think sometimes this is what happens, you know, in our lives. We kind of take for granted that people are going to be there. Mm -hmm. and um we never really put the effort to sit down take a moment try to make relationships better you know just Mm -hmm. because we are so busy within our own lives so i think this is the only thing i want to bring up um Mm -hmm. just because i really connected to that point that kind of almost to the end or her last opportunity is when she tried to connect to her brother after all those years
1: yeah and and she still doesn't like him but anyway she learned something from him and she appreciated that yeah uh, his companion at least at that point Mm -hmm. so yeah you never
0: really know when is the last day that you're gonna be able to talk to somebody so this is carpe diem again (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah that that part of the book really hit me there so
1: Yeah, I think for me, at least, um, now the book gets a little, I feel that there will be a little bit more, I don't want to say that it hasn't been exciting, but it will be a little more exciting because now, until now we are just experiencing what she knows, what she Mm -hmm. sees, what she's very, even though she doesn't like it, she's comfortable with, but now she's just leaving that comfort zone and, um, we will see like is zara and harry are the only ones left it, are they going to join her or is it uh-huh. like the last time so she really is disconnecting 100% to every everyone they everyone she knows so there will be a lot of possibilities here um will they survive assuming that we still have tw- uh 10 other chapters i'm guessing that at least for now they will sur- or she will survive so uh-huh. And it will also give us some opportunity to see a little bit
0: more of the outside world because mm-hmm. she will have to go somewhere. You know, the community is destroyed. At least that's exactly. how I envision that this is exactly. going to
1: go. Yeah, will the, will Harry and uh, Zara be uh, holding her back? Will they be able to provide some insights? So assuming that everybody always has something to teach you and you always have something to learn, I think mm-hmm. that it will be helpful, but we'll have to see. Yep. So if you want to share with us how your experience has been
0: throughout this journey, do send us a message on our Instagram or email. And I guess we'll come back next week with which chapters, friend? 15 through 22. Yeah. And we appreciate you guys being with us.
1: In this journey. Yeah. (laughs) On this journey, yes. (laughs) We'll come
0: back then next week.
1: All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.